Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry so you can do church better. I'm your co-host, Chris Wesley, sitting next to John Ronaldo. John, how are you doing? It's weird. We're face-to-face. We're yeah. like, you're in my office, in my home in Las Vegas, yeah. and here we are. We've been hanging out the past couple of days, and and uh, yeah, it's fun. We've been getting a lot of work done these past two days. I, I know, I know. We've uh, alluded to it in the last episode, and uh, that uh, we would be in the same vicinity, and we are. Uh, we're uh, just, uh, this is the second time we've done this, right? Because the last time, or the first time we did it was... Uh, with Rich Curran, uh, where we talked about uh, parish success group and successful and healthy uh, church, um, you know, structures. And uh, so John and I, you know, because I'm out here with my wife uh, for, she's attending a conference, so I'm not neglecting and ignoring her right now. She's, I I was like, all right, I'm going to hang out with John and and we're going to record a couple of episodes together. And in fact, uh, if you've been listening to the last couple episodes, you know that we've been uh, tackling the subject of building a holistic and intentional ministry model in your in your parish, because I think so many times we will adapt and grasp onto different uh, models out there, uh, because maybe they're they're trending, um, maybe it's something that uh, we're looking for a change, um, regardless of of, uh, of the reason. Uh, sometimes it's not intentionally done, uh, or even if it's intentionally done, maybe it only addresses a piece of what we're doing here in ministry. So, you know, in the first uh, episode of these series, so back in episode 86, we talked about, uh, you know, setting a vision and knowing who you're trying to reach, right? So who are you trying to reach and where are you trying to take them? Because if you can do that, then that gives you the bookends to creating a plan uh, to building an intentional and holistic ministry. And then in the last episode, uh, we discussed what that plan looks like and how to develop that um, and you know the right questions to ask uh, you know to developing uh, the, that, that ministry structure right there um, and again not just you know taking something that comes out of a box even though there's nothing wrong with that but making sure it fits again that vision and that uh, the audience you're trying to reach. I think that's a really important point, and one of the things I love about about this particular topic is that although we're talking about models, what we're what we're not talking about is an idea that one model fits all, right, Chris? Like, that's not it. So to take some of the some of the the models that are out there, that, that there's some really good stuff, you know, whether it's rebuilt the vine renovation. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff out there uh, you know, that for us to take a look at. But what we're not talking about here is is exactly what your point is. It's like that that model, you want to implement that model as is. The reality is, is every parish is different. Your audience is different. Your needs are different. And so you have to take that into account and not just take somebody else's model and implement it into your own parish, your own ministry setting. But you've got to adapt those ideas but make them your own within the context of your own. So that's, I think, Chris, what makes this difficult is that you're right. We're not taking a cookie-cutter approach. Uh, and we can't just take something that's out there and implement it. We have to interpret it and decipher it for our own use. And and what we're talking about the, over these last few episodes is coming up with some systems and structures that allow us to really do that and do that well. Right, right. And and just to kind of build on that as well, um, you know, if ministry was done in a vacuum, meaning, you know, everything was cookie cutter and the same, then, right, we would just need that one simple structure. But because... Uh, humanity is messy, life is messy, and everything. It, it's important to pick out those um, those values and those principles. 
but also be adaptable to how they might work in different paradigms. And, you know, uh, one of the things that we were kind of talking about, even though we won't dig into it, is, you know, I asked you the question, right? Like, how do people dress for mass? And you're like, it depends regionally, right? And we could dive deeper into that. But, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, you know, where you do church, even though we are part of the universal church and parts of the liturgy look exactly the same, no matter where you are in the world, uh, language is going to be different, you know, uh, uh, how the church is, uh, you know, the structure of the outside of the church is going to look different. And, you know, so much of it is going to be different. And, and the same thing happens with our programmatic models, our ministry structures. And so, uh, again, just recapping the first uh, two episodes of the series, you know, it's knowing who you're trying to reach, uh, where you want to bring them. So what's that idea of a disciple of Jesus Christ that you're that God's calling you to to grow, and then the last uh, again is developing that plan, you know, for um, that audience and where you want to take them by asking the right questions. Today, what I want to discuss, what I want to talk about, are how to overcome some of those obstacles that stand in the way. You know, um, because I think we get really excited, right, John? Uh, you, I'm sure you've been to conferences before where you leave pumping your fists in the air and you're like, "We're gonna do this. Change is." inevitable and then you come home and it's like you like run into a brick wall i've never had that experience before no, never, no there's never. never been any obstacles for me in church ministry whatsoever everything's been super easy it's like it's like god just plowed the way for me to do it you must be one of his faithful <laughs> loyal servants you know because, or i'm lying <laughs> yeah. um but uh you know, uh, I can think back to um, actually the first conference I ever went to was Purpose Driven Youth Ministry Conference. Uh, I went in reluctant, came out so on fire for changing the way I did ministry because I heard all these great speakers talk about how ministry for youth could look different. And there were all these great ideas that I, I wrote down. And I remember I came back, I had a team meeting uh, with uh, some of my leaders. At the time, I only had about like five or six leaders. And I remember just sharing with them everything that I learned and what I wanted to do because of what I learned. And they revolted. They like were like, that's crazy. You can't do that because and everything from you can't do that because it's Protestant to you can't do that because we don't have the same budget to, you know, all these different reasons. And I remember just being so upset and I wasn't even defensive because I was just so shocked that they couldn't see what I saw. And so it wasn't until a couple of days later where one of them came up to me and I, you know, I was just lamenting about the experience and, and saying like how defeated and deflated I felt. And they said, you know, Chris, you didn't give us a chance to process what you processed. And secondly, you were there, we weren't. And all of a sudden you came back with enthusiasm and excitement and we needed the time to process something that wasn't as clear to us. And, uh, and so through that, I learned coming back from a conference, you know, anytime or anytime I want to implement a new idea that there has to be a strategy, right? There has to be a strategy with how you implement change, with how you tweak uh, that model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 those experiences are very real. And, and everybody, I don't know who said it, but I just love this idea. Everybody dislikes change except for the person who comes up with the idea for the change, right? And, and I pride myself on being a change agent. Um, but I don't like change just as much as anybody else. Now, if it's my idea, it's a different story, right? But if someone else is instituting change on me, 
I even I have reacted, Chris, like how your volunteers reacted. And, and I think that's normal. I think we need to come to expect that as part of the obstacles that we need to deal with when we're when we're changing the way that we look at ministry and the vision that we're presenting moving forward. So let's let's talk about both audiences in this, right? So those of you who are listening, maybe you're the change, you know, um, implementer, right? And then for others of you, maybe you've never been the change agent before. Maybe you're uh, someone who works for a pastor who is a change agent or you know a leader who um, has that kind of quality. Um, I want let, to let, let's talk about the person who um, isn't the change agent, right? And how do you prepare for that? Um, I think step one that I would say is anytime someone comes up to you with an idea um, or wants to implement change, the best thing you can do is listen, right? Um, to, and this sounds kind of weird, not to bottle up every single emotion that you have and say like, you know, and hide it, but just to listen and allow their, uh, the presenter's emotions and uh, energy and everything to come out and try to listen to the content as well as the context of what that um, what that person's talking about. What you're basically saying is don't react right away. Right, right. right. Just listen and see where it goes. And, and that goes beyond verbally reacting, but also visually how you react. You know, and I, I've thought about this a lot. You know, because I am an active listener. And so when people talk, I'll be nodding my head, I'll smile and everything. And that could give the impression that I approve. Or maybe you just have a resting face that isn't appropriate and looks like you're angry. You know, people are going to think you disapprove, right? So people are looking at your verbal cues. Now, that's not to be, say, to be totally um, faceless. And, uh, you know, but, but I guess the, the, the facial expression you want to go with is pensive right if that's possible i don't know is that fair to like propose yeah that sounds good i mean yeah. the reality is uh, you smile nod like I, I nod and smile because i'm i'm not necessarily affirming what they say i'm affirming understanding right you right, know right. but but i agree with your point like we have to be sensitive to to how our our non-verbal cues uh, are reacting to what people are saying correct correct um the uh, second thing too is to ask for permission to process right so um John, I don't know if you are an external processor or an internal processor, but we have to, um, if you're an external processor, processor, one thing that I've learned is it's important for me to tell people, all right, let me think this out loud for a second and help me break this down, right? And because for, for the reason I do that is I don't want people to think I'm giving them a final decision or, or thought, right? So I might say, hey, initially it scares me, but I might need time to think about that. And if you're an internal processor, you can do pretty much the same thing and just say like, hey, this is great. I need some time to think about this before I can really give you constructive feedback. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think, again, it's helping that person who is really excited about the change, who's really excited about um, you know, implementing this, is not to deflate them. Because if you do that, and, and the reason why it's important uh, about listening and, and, and how we approach people is you do not want to create a culture, especially if you're the pastor or the leader, where people feel like their ideas get shut down. Because once you do that, then you remove all future opportunities of people coming up to you, bringing ideas that, and, and insight that could help you grow a healthy ministry model. 
Yeah, and I think when it comes to processing, right, I, I often use the word extroverting because right. I'm an extrovert. I don't know if extroverting is a word. Right. But I tell people, it's like, I'm an extrovert right now, which basically means I'm going to brainstorm out loud and I'm going to process out loud. Uh, and, and people who know me well know that that's how I work. Uh, and, but, but I do. I, I frame it that way. And I say, I'm going to extrovert right now in hopes that I can understand. I'll, I'll second this in terms of, of how the response would be to say that I think another way to approach this is is ask more questions. If you're taking in this idea and you're not fully comprehended and you need time, the best way to process is, is to keep asking questions because the reality is, one, not only will it help you understand it, but two, it's going to help whoever has the idea or the change idea to, to articulate it more clearly yeah. because of the questions that you ask. So it serves a dual purpose, both for you who are processing and for the person who's sharing the idea so they can articulate it better. Well, yeah, and um, and I think that, that, that brings us to um, the, the other person now, the, the presenter, right? Because um, let's face it, most people who listen to this podcast are the agents of change, you know, and, uh, um, and I think it's important to... Uh, think about when you want to present an idea or uh, a new way of doing ministry is to have confidence in yourself. Um, but it's also to recognize how people process the information. Um, you know, one thing I, 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 I was listening to a, another podcast, I think it was on trade leadership and they were talking about this where before they have meetings um, about anything, they send out an agenda with the details on that because there are people again who need time to process information and there are other people who process on the go so you're more extroverted to use your your term like the extroverted thinker thinkers or the outside thinkers right they're going they they'll receive the agenda they might scan it but they're not really going to dive into it the internal processors will either way people will show up to that meeting ready to contribute and ready to engage. And that's really what we want, right? Like when we're presenting a new idea or a new ministry model, like it's one thing to present it to people, but we also want people to have buy-in and to contribute and talk about it. So I think the number one thing you can do is you don't have to share everything in the email, but enough stuff to get, you know, people thinking about it. And, and this takes putting pride and ego aside because uh, having – being a speaker and a presenter and a trainer, I, I look at ways of how, in some ways, that, that I'm a showman, too. I'm providing good knowledge, but I'm a showman. And, and how I present an idea is, is just as exciting for me, I'm speaking for myself, as the idea itself. Right. And so there's an example of me, and I need to put my ego and pride aside that it's not about any sort of quote-unquote showmanship or, or coming out with a bang or a wow and kind of wow people with a good idea. But we're putting the process first and that the process of change requires people to start analyzing it even before I present the idea fully beforehand. And and that, I would say, that's hard for me to do, Chris. Yeah. Hey, you're speaking to the choir. Right? I mean, for me, it's extremely difficult. But, I mean, basically, bottom line is preparation, right? Preparation for that presentation and, and, and for that meeting. And then, yeah, like you said, put pride aside. Um, I think... We have a tendency where when we um, are leading, and let's say you don't have the idea yourself, but you want to lead a brainstorming session on how to improve ministry, right? Um, is to, uh, we want to have everyone shoot out ideas and we're, um, you know, but in our mind we have our own agenda. And you have to be careful what you ask people to comment on or give feedback. Because if you're not ready to receive that, then you're just setting them up for failure in that regards. Mm -hmm. And so... 
um, again, it's checking your pride at the side and also just being prepared for um, presenting the ideas in the, in the meetings. So um, again, the obstacle in this, uh, in this first part really is, you know, just being, if you want to implement uh, and create a holistic and intentional ministry model, anytime you're talking about change, you need to be ready for how people are going to react. Or if you're on the receiving end, you need to be, um, you need to ask for time to process things before you really implement it. And I think that this takes empathy too, as the leader, as a change agent, to really understand people, right. understand where people are coming from and, and expect resistance. I think that's a part of it. I think you need to expect resistance because we are a church of tradition and all the good, that all the great that comes out of it, but there's some bad that comes out of it. And so the idea is like, we've never done it that way before, right? That type of language, be prepared for that and be okay with that. And, and once you share that idea that when you talk about vision and habits and your audience and things like that, that we talked about in previous episodes, that, that you, once you share it, listen. Allow people to internalize. Give people that space. And don't expect people to kind of jump on right away and, and pat you on the back and say, yeah, I'm in. Right, Good job. Right, now, right. Oh. You may get a couple of those folks. And yeah. that's great. You know, and you can help get them to help you, you know, convince others if you need to or not. But most people are going to need time to process it. Uh, you know, and give them that space. So let's talk about what people should be listening for, what leaders should be listening for as people are giving them feedback, right? So we're kind of talking about obstacles here. Um, The number one is fear, right? Like, I think you need to listen to what are the, if you get pushback or opposition, you know, what's the fear in the, in the room? Are people afraid of, I mean, you can narrow it down to, we're broadening it to change, right? You can say people are afraid of change, or but like get more specific right so what are they um exactly afraid are they afraid it means that they can't sit at the table um with you about certain conversations if you're talking about staff restructuring or are they thinking that this changes their um their schedule right because if you're implementing a new ministry model and it means that they have to work a a different time frame than another frame um you know listen to what the fears are that they're expressing even even if they can't articulate it um, ask them those questions, you know, and try to draw out from them what they're afraid of ha- is happening or what they're losing or um, what in their mind could, um, could, could, could change, make them uncomfortable. Like listen to that and then ask them questions about that and, and help them name those fears. Yeah. And with the goal in mind of, of really just empathizing, sympathizing, really understanding where your team is coming from. I think that's a piece that we lose. And as we talked about before, being doers, a lot of us are doers. A lot of people are like, let's just go do it, mm-hmm. you know, um, but we got to give time for it to process. Right. Definitely. So um, again, like the obstacles that we're facing is, uh, you know, people pushing back and, and with feedback and, and uh, not exactly buying in. Um, another obstacle, and I think really a major obstacle, is, uh, is we, we burn ourselves out or we tire ourselves out implementing the change, right? So when it comes to creating change or building a holistic and intentional ministry model, right, um, we are really excited at the beginning. We pour in a lot of energy, we pour in a lot of money, and then we start to kind of wear out. John, where have you kind of seen that happen before? Or what are some of the signs that you've seen that where people are losing momentum? Uh, they, they stop showing up. They don't respond to things right away. 
you just see the energy. Mm-hmm. You really do. There's a visual uh, energy loss that you also see along the way. But when you stop seeing, when people stop communicating with you, that's a big one for me. When, mm-hmm. You know, because that's when I know I've lost something. That they're feeling out of the loop where they're not connected, and that may be something I've done or part of the process. And it could be an external thing. And we're really not going to talk about that. Maybe they have something going on at home too. That could be a reality too. But that I think those are a couple signs. They stop communicating. They stop showing up. That that we've lost the momentum with uh, our team and who we're working with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, communication. That, that that's definitely a good one. Um, I, I would also say tasks do not get completed. No. You know, we start missing deadlines when uh, people um, prioritize other things, especially if you as a leader say to your staff or your volunteer team, this is important, this is what you need to focus, we need to focus on, and then people sort of miss these deadlines. Then similar to what you were saying is like, is there something else going on in their life? Have they missed sight of that? Even revisit the original, is there a fear or something that they've now hit? addressing that and so i think you know again um if deadlines start getting stretched out um it could be uh it could also be a strategic thing as well like maybe you don't have the right plan in that regards um but i I think it's important to address that as well i think it's interesting that the two obstacles we've talked about have really nothing to do with the plan itself or the ideas it has everything to do with people and how you're managing the people you're working with now, I don't know where you're going with other obstacles here, but you know, I, I just think it's important to note that the people aspect of this is tremendous and needs to be considered. Well, no, and I think that, that that's a great point. I mean, you, you know, you think about, you know, and, and not, not to pick on any particular program, but think about things like Alpha or um, Amazing Parish Models or Divine Renovation or Rebuild or, or things along those lines, right? They're there's success in those models, right? There are other churches who have had success in those models from what we've seen. And so um, there are times where we'll take those models and we'll implement them into our paradigm, yet not see those results and get frustrated and give up and then move on to the next one, right? When really maybe there wasn't anything wrong with the content or the strategy or the curriculum, it was really the people, you know? And um, not to say you guys are the problem, but you know, it's... But we usually are. We usually are, right, right, right. So we're usually the problem. And uh, if you have a healthy team, and really this boils down to like, if you have healthy leadership, if you have healthy collaboration and communication, if you know how to run meetings and committees, you know, you're going to not only identify the right models, um, but you're going to be able to adapt them to your paradigm. You'll be able to look at other churches, other businesses, other organizations and say, this works here for us. This works here for us. And then you're going to be able to create that holistic and intentional ministry that fits your parish. Mm -hmm. So really, that's what we're talking about is you need to have a team in place that can push, receive, you know, come up with ideas and continue momentum so that like no matter what model you pick, you're using that really when, when you get a boxed model or a boxed curriculum or something, it's really just a starting point, right? You know, it's really just a, a way of uh, a, a place to start before you really start crafting and creating your own. And just to riff on that, I think a little bit more, you and I as leaders in ministry 
really have to be taking in information from all sorts of sources. Right. Um, you know, from 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 all the different models that we've already named, and reading those books, and reading interesting blogs, and getting information from different perspectives. That's why I'm a huge proponent, for instance, of we have a lot of great Catholic literature on ministry and pastoral ministry models. But you know what? There's a lot of non-Catholic Christian denominations out there. They're also doing a lot of writing that help us and kind of give us ideas. And and I think. That's what a leader and a learner does, right? They take these ideas, the things that they've learned from all sorts of different places, and they they bring it in and they implement it in some way, shape, or form with a piece of it from this book, a piece of it from that resource, a piece of it from that model, and they adapt it, again, to their own demographic, to their own parish, to their own reality at, at, at their parish. So let's use that to talk about the third obstacle, right? Which is we either do not do enough research or we end up doing too much research, right? So you do not, you, you don't do enough research. You, you, you see the brand new shiny little object out there and you're like, oh, let's do that. Let's implement this into our parish. This is gonna fix all our problems. And you ignore pretty much what we just said, which is you know, figuring out who your audience is, figuring out like what parts about it work and what parts don't, right? So that's one part of it. The other part is you just keep on, um, you get so far into the statistics that you never move forward on any action steps because you want to find out the perfect plan and you keep theorizing and, 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 and constructing and everything and you never move forward. And so I think what's important is we have to not only do the research, but we have to create timelines. And in those timelines, you set goals and you set a method of evaluation, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's part of who your personality is and what your strengths are. Some of us tend to be like, I got to have a perfect plan in place before I can move forward. And then some of us are like, I just start going. I don't know what the next step is, but I'm going to go until I figure out the next step. And and what you're saying is there's a happy medium there. But I would would say that part of that is knowing yourself right, and knowing kind of what your behavioral bent is when it comes to that and bringing other people around you, going back to the last episode about the team that you bring, you know, bringing other people around you that do help complement your behavioral bents along the way. Right. And so we've talked about this before here and actually something that John and I have been talking about on the side is, you know, when you build these teams, making sure you have if you want a holistic and intentional ministry, you're intentional about who's on those teams and you make sure it's a holistic representation of what you're trying to achieve. Right. So, you know, again, asking and we talked about this before, but asking the question of who needs to be at the table um, that isn't at the table, um, who is this impacting like you know, what is, is the ultimate outcome that we want for this. But I, I think, again, it's it's saying like, okay, if I'm a doer, um, I need to make sure we have dreamers and we have, um, you know, people who um, have, uh, who are networkers, you know, that are part of that team. Or if, um, you know, we have a lot of, uh, you know, just men in this group, we need to include some more women or we need to include some teenagers and children or, you know, even like looking at diversity, depending on where your parish is, you know, how well is your community that surrounds your church, you know, represented in that room in the leadership uh, structure there? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Ditto, I agree. Yeah, yeah, no, no. (laughs) And actually, you know, that's something we should talk about another time where, you know, how many times our staff structures don't represent our congregation, mm-hmm. right? You know, like, and, and I mean, you know, the default, uh, uh, one of the default leaders for most Catholic churches, if they have clergy, is a, is a priest, is a man, right? But, like, everyone else, <laughs> you know, on that list, like, 
you know, do they represent what your congregation is? But I think that would be a, a good conversation for another time. But really going back to John, what you brought up is, do you have the right people at the table to help you make that? And, you know, if you, if you don't know the answer to that, still move forward. And then when you reevaluate how far you've come, then that's when you say, okay, what are the holes? What are the things that we're missing? And let's uh, make sure we get those people there. Good. So we talked about three obstacles. Are there more that we need to consider here as we start to wrap it up here a little bit? Yeah, actually, the last one um, that we'll talk about, which I think is probably the most important one, is the spiritual battle, right? So anytime you're doing God's work, there's an evil one out there. It says in John 10, 10, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to try to rob you. And so uh, rob you of this opportunity to reach more people. So what and this goes back to like losing momentum right if your team is not praying together if you are not as a leader trying to spiritually fuel and feed yourself this is going to be hard it's there are going to be small little lies or myths or things that you believe you're going to get irritated by people's feedback or if they're not on this on page with you uh, on the same page with you and uh it's going to just sort of eat away at your ability to be productive so what I would say is, um, you know, try to um, try to really, uh, you know, focus on your spiritual well-being as well as your teams. I, I love the saying that I heard. I don't know. I've heard many leaders say this before, but anything worth pursuing is uphill all the way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's true in ministry as well uh, that you are going to have challenges. One of it is just leadership, systematic, relational challenges, but part of that is a spiritual challenge as well. And so. Uh, you know that's part of our our tradition as church is that you know you are growing in faith and and growing stronger and doing something important when you are being spiritually attacked in some way shape or form Uh, and and you should take that I should take that as a quite honestly a positive sign even if it's not fun to go through but but uh the reality is that's 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 true right and we have saint john of the cross and saint Teresa of avila talk about this idea of the dark night of the soul right uh we're not going to get into that per se but the idea of the dark night is that basically you you are you are being attacked spiritually because you have grown in your relationship with God and what you're trying to do. So I would say that you and I as leaders should expect that spiritual challenge. Mm-hmm. And I agree. And this is we, we, a few episodes ago, we talked about staff culture, right? And all, your, your, your entire parish culture needs to be rooted in prayer and prayer experience and sharing faith stories so that we have a vulnerability with each other so that when I'm being attacked in some way, shape or form, that I have the comfortability to share it with my team and with my staff that we can support one another because it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when right right definitely so uh, again we could talk about the obstacles forever and this probably end up being a depressing podcast (laughs) so um, but no really again just make sure as you implement a ministry model you know like have that vision know who you're trying to reach um, ask the right questions as you look at different models, but then address the obstacles. You know, be aware that there will be opposition, and that, if anything, is a uh, is affirmation that you are doing God's work. Um, but take it seriously, listen to it, analyze it, and evaluate it. Um, and I know we've mentioned Parish Success Group a bunch of times, but you know, it's a great organization. Uh, that John works for with Rich we've had him on on this podcast before where they work with parishes to help with restructuring help with ministry models 
you know, something we do in Marathon Youth Ministry with youth ministries and, and, and children's ministry and young adult ministry. So definitely feel free to reach out to us. Um, if you do want to reach us, go to thechurchpodcast.org and you can shoot us questions at uh, questions at thechurchpodcast.org. But John, if people want to reach out to you, what's uh, personally because they don't like me or just because they want to know more about you, how, what, what's a good way to reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Social media, especially Twitter is the best way to do it. At John Ronaldo, love to get in dialogues. Just recently actually had a whole conversation about uh, how people react to crying children in the pews of church. And we've talked about that in the podcast before, but I had a whole conversation with people on Twitter. So those are the types of fun conversations I like to have. So uh, at John Ronaldo is my handle there, but you can find out everything about me and also what we do at Parish Success Group. Just go to parishsuccessgroup.com. And, and I will say that what we've done these last three episodes is really just scratching the surface of what Chris did recently in some of the dioceses in, in the state of New York. And so there's so much more that we can do, go into, but we just don't have time for it. So I would absolutely encourage you, if you do have questions or comments, definitely reach out to Chris. And, you know, he's got a lot more that we can go uh, deep into this. So don't be afraid to reach out to Chris. And Chris, how can they get a hold of you? So one of the best ways is Instagram for me at Marathon Youth Ministry. And uh, you can also go to MarathonYouthMinistry.com. Uh, that's another way to reach out to me through that as well. Um, and like John, I, I'll sometimes have social media conversations, but uh, definitely feel free to shoot an email at questions at thechurchpodcast.org. And of course, you can listen to past episodes um, at thechurchpodcast.org. But if you are not a subscriber yet on iTunes, uh, please subscribe uh, to our podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing, uh, You know, if there are other topics that you want to talk about. Uh, if you leave us a review, we prefer five stars, but we also want you to be authentic in doing that. And if there's someone that you know, um, whether it's at your parish or at another church or another diocese that could benefit from the topics that we talk about, uh, definitely share uh, what we do. Yeah, let me just riff on that real quickly. I've been picking and choosing episodes for folks uh, that, based on conversations I've had with them and just find the direct link to a particular episode and just email it to them. And so um, people that I've done that for have found that super helpful as a resource for them. And so, again, I would definitely encourage you to do that. Um, you know, everything's searchable on the churchpodcast.org. Just type in some of the keywords on there and, and all the ones that uh, pertain to that keyword will show up on there for you. Definitely. All right, John, great conversation, especially now that's in person and we don't have to worry about Wi-Fi cutouts or anything like that. Uh, would you close to this in prayer? I would love to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to be together in person, to, to minister together. And, and Lord, we just want to pray for all those that are listening. Lord, you, the listener out there, uh, you know, our goal is to, to help you do church better. And whatever we can do to help, Lord, just continue to help us to serve our listeners, Lord, and bless our listeners in their ministry and the work that they do. They are in the trenches doing amazing and difficult hard work, Lord. Continue to be with them, support them, send your spirit upon them to help them grow, to help them learn, to help them not burn out, and to help them implement sustainable models of ministry so that uh, we can really grow uh, your flock, that we can really help people know you more, Lord, through all that we do. So Lord, be with all of us as we continue to do your work. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.